Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, everyone. Just a quick message to thank our Patreons. This show is a one-man operation. And sometimes the costs of running the show make me wonder whether it's worthwhile. You guys answer that question for me. Our Patreons not only receive the episodes earlier than everyone on the standard feed, they also get extra episodes in the break in between seasons. I, like you, support the shows I listen to through Patreon. However, some people have asked if there's an alternate way that they can support the show. So, I'm glad to announce that if you're willing to support the content you listen to, you can go and buy me a coffee. It's a new website which allows you to make a one-time donation. And you can find the link for that along with our Patreon link in the show notes. Again, thank you to all of our supporters. You really do allow the show to continue. Live from Liverpool, The Dark Paranormal, Season 3. Hello, and welcome to The Dark Paranormal. I'd like to thank everyone who reached out to get in touch with feedback regarding Episode 1. We are indeed back to listener stories for Season 3. As we said at the start of this podcast, we will be alternating series from listener stories to more famous stories, and maybe a few surprises thrown in as well. Don't forget that my sister podcast, We Need to Talk About Ghosts, is also available for people who like their paranormal tales told in a bit more of a jovial fashion. Here on The Dark Paranormal, however, as you know by now, there's no room for laughter. All we ask is that you leave your disbelief at the door and you join us to listen to some of the most terrifying stories I've ever came across. Don't forget, If you become one of our Patreons, you will get early access to these episodes. And with that said, I'd like to say a big thank you to our two new Patreons, Robin Lloyd-Davies and Brock Landis. Thank you, guys. Your support literally keeps a show like this going. Today's story has been sent in by an anonymous listener. And it covers something which we have touched on before on The Dark Paranormal. And... It's one of the most terrifying sorts of things that exists in the world of the paranormal. It's an attachment. It's a dark, malevolent entity that appears, for whatever reason, to focus in on one unlucky individual. And there's a reason why, when I received this email, I decided it would go on this show and not my other show. Because this story is one of the most chilling stories I've ever read. So, without further ado, leave your disbelief at the door and join me in the dark paranormal. I've only told this story to my close friends and family, and even within that circle, I've had to be selective 
about who. You see, since the age of 13 and a half, I've been followed by a dark entity. I know it may seem specific to say 13 and a half, but I can, without a doubt, point to the exact start of what has turned out to be a life-changing series of events that I lay firmly at the foot of the entity's door. There was no obvious ignition, no playing of a Ouija board, no dabbling with the occult. This just came like a bolt out of the blue. This fact has bothered me no end in later life, as I've tried to wonder why, why this thing has decided to attach itself to me. I've researched the history of the house we lived in at the time. No red flags. I've looked at the surrounding area. Again, nothing. Just rural farmland. The street we lived on was nothing but fields historically. But, yes, 13 and a half. That was the age I was when I had a dream. Or more specifically, a nightmare, I guess. It was a normal dream. I say normal. Normal as far as a dream goes, anyway. I was at a playground with friends and some school teachers. And we kids, in the way dreams can, all believed 100% that the teachers were in fact our parents. As I say, just a standard everyday dream. But then, it changed. Clouds rolled over what was a sunny day. The teachers and my friends all disappeared. Outside the railings of the park, about 20 feet away, stood a man. He was stood almost too upright, like he was forcing himself to be as straight as possible. Arms firmly by his side. He wore a short cloak, falling just above the knee, and he was barefoot. His face was exceptionally pale, and he was bald, and he had this smile. The sort of smile someone may have if they've seen sunlight for the first time in years, or someone who is experiencing freedom for the first time. He closed his eyes and looked straight up to the sky. At this point in the dream, I I wasn't scared, really just inquisitive I looked up to see what he was looking at and there were just dark clouds moving so fast faster than any natural clouds could I looked back down and he was no longer outside the fence he was inside the park still head back looking up at the sky totally still but now only a few feet from me Suddenly, I noticed the cloud stopped still in the sky. His head remained looking up, although I could see the smile had dropped from his face. I felt a strangest sensation that I needed to somehow make the clouds move again to make this thing smile again. In my dream, I was now starting to panic. I focused intently on the clouds, willing them to move and finally they did 
slowly at first, but gathering momentum and getting back to their former speed. The smile grew on the man's face. And then just before I woke up, he screamed to the sky, Hello, Katie. Thirteen and a half. I don't recall that just because of the dream, but also because of what happened the following day. I woke, showered, and was pottering around my bedroom, mulling over the dream, when I heard my dog, Elsie, barking outside. Elsie was a quiet Labrador. I'd only ever heard her bark a handful of times before, so this was unusual. I headed to the window and looked out, and the breath left my chest. Elsie was walking out onto the street. Nothing unusual there. But... She was being led, as in her lead was attached and the handle of the lead was floating in the air ahead of Elsie. Elsie stopped at the curbside. We trained her to stop and not walk idly into the road. A car came rather fast from the right. Time seemed to freeze as I saw the handle of the lead jolt, trying to pull Elsie into the path of the car. Elsie was pulling back to resist but then there was a huge jolt Elsie flew at least a foot forward into the path of the oncoming car the driver hit their brakes I closed my eyes I heard a bark I looked back out the car had stopped and Elsie was trotting back into the house her lead trailing behind her So this is why I can say, with a surety, I was 13 and a half years old. You don't forget seeing something like that. Elsie lived another 12 months and died of old age. And in that 12 months, nothing strange happened. Looking back, I often wonder if she kept it at bay. You know how they say animals can sense things? I don't know. What I do know is that her passing coincided with activity starting up. The first incident we initially thought was a lovely thing, and I'll tell you why, and why it wasn't. We've always been a quite spiritual family. Not religious, but open, I guess. So, my mum was saying things about Elsie. She'll be watching over us now. That sort of thing. Anyway, one evening my auntie came over. She'd emigrated to Australia before I was born and had moved back home to be closer to family. After some coffee and a catch-up, she popped upstairs to use the bathroom. She came downstairs and declared, I've just seen Elsie. Mum looked at me and I looked at her. We hadn't told my auntie that Elsie had died. Mum, because she was like this, didn't immediately reveal the truth and instead asked, where was she? My auntie picked up her coffee and said, oh, she was sat guarding the room opposite the bathroom. She gave me a little growl. She laughed. I was elated. That was my bedroom and Elsie was still guarding me even in the afterlife. Mum smiled. Well, this will spook you but Elsie died last month. 
she said and nodded towards a small picture frame on the windowsill that Mum had made with Elsie's name in it and the date she passed. My auntie walked over and picked up the picture. This isn't the dog I've just seen. The dog I've seen was black. Elsie was a golden Labrador. My auntie had known about Elsie but had never seen her, so she wouldn't know or question what colour she was. Black? asked my mum. Yeah, is it not Elsie? said my auntie, rushing to shut the living room door. My elation had instantly turned to fear. Mum rung my dad and told him a dog had gotten into the house and that we'd barricaded ourselves in the living room and told him to come home now and sort it out. Dad arrived home, and through the living room window, my mum and aunt described where it had been seen and what it looked like. We heard Dad open the front door and try to call the dog. Here, boy, come on. Nothing. We heard him repeat this as he crept upstairs. Here, boy. Nothing. It's not there now, but Katie, your windows are wide open, so maybe it got on the porch shelter somehow and climbed in. Now, as a child, I had major anxiety about leaving windows open, fearing, due to the proximity of the porch roof, that someone may be able to climb in. So there was no way I left the windows open. Katie... You need to be more careful. We could have been burgled or anything, added my mum. I I didn't leave the window open. I definitely didn't. I pleaded. My auntie seemed appeased with the porch explanation and went on to tell tales of all sorts of Australian pests, which had one way or another found their way into her Australian home. Over the next few months, growls would be heard around the house. Mum confided to me she'd seen what looked like a black dog turn a corner or move behind the couch just out of the corner of her eye. As I say, we openly discuss things like ghosts so this wasn't out of character for our conversations. One night, I heard thunderous footsteps going to the front door. I shot up out of bed. Then I heard the front door get pulled open with force. I thought pulling your bedsheets up to your face was just seen in films. But here I was, doing it. Then I heard my dad's voice from outside. I couldn't hear exactly what he was shouting, but it was in anger. I met my mother at the top of the stairs, and we looked down the stairs to see my dad coming back in, just wearing a bathrobe. I think some weirdo was trying to get in, he said, out of breath. I woke because I thought I heard barking. I looked outside and there's some guy stood perfectly still just behind the car. I think he was on drugs. Why do you say that? asked mum. Well, he had his head through back and was just smiling at the sky like a lunatic. My heart jumped into my mouth. Dad continued. I ran out but he was gone. I just shouted to try and scare him from coming back. No idea where he disappeared to. Dad said he would sleep downstairs to stay ready to pounce. And my mum and I went back to bed. I didn't sleep a wink. I just kept picturing the man from my dream. 
this felt like it just had to be the same thing. The next landmark thing to take place happened a few years later. I'd moved out into student accommodation and had gotten close to my then housemates. We decided to throw a surprise birthday party for my roommate, Kaylee, an Irish girl who'd gone home to celebrate for her birthday with her family and was due back on a Friday, which meant not only did we have plenty of time to organise things, but also it was a weekend so we could get pretty messy. Everything was going well, all running to schedule. Banners, balloons, a full spread of food and booze laid out. We had a few hours to spare before the birthday girl was due to arrive, so we decided to make an early start and headed to the pub next door for a few. It was a sunny day, so we sat outside in the front beer garden, which also allowed us to have a head start should Kaylee arrive home early. The important thing to state here is we had a perfect view of both our driveway and our front door. Ten minutes before she was due to arrive, we finished up our drinks and made the few feet journey home. None of us could comprehend the scene that was laid out in front of us. The banners were torn. Not just torn down, but ripped in half, scattered about the room. The bottles of spirits were smashed. Again, not how you would think. They weren't on the floor as if they'd fell. They, three in total, were smashed where they'd stood on the table, as if they'd exploded on the spot they stood. The food, and this is even weirder, was all upside down. Each item, the cake, a tray of sandwiches, perfectly placed upside down. Strangely, with nothing out of place, except the cake which gravity had smeared. Even a bowl of nuts was upside down. Not a single nut was on the table, but lifting the bowl just led to the nuts flowing out of the perfect hill they'd formed under the bowl. Then, one of our housemates, who'd went upstairs to see if anything else had been moved, screamed. We ran to the foot of the stairs, and she came running down the stairs. Oh my God, she shouted. There's a big black dog up there. It just went into your room. Panic hit me. I immediately knew what was responsible. I was debating telling the guys the backstory when a key went in the door. It was Kaylee. What a surprise party she'd walked into. We'd done our best to both explain what had happened and convince her this wasn't just the remnants of a drunken party the night before. She took it well and went out of the room. The rest of us, still utterly bewildered and now feeling guilty that our story was totally unconvincing, completely forgot that, oh, also, there's a large demonic dog upstairs. I raced out to the hall to shout to Kaylee to be careful, but she was already in our room. Kaylee, I shouted, and out she came to the landing. Yep. Is, is there a dog in our room? She laughed. Not unless it's a ghost dog. I smiled but thought, you don't know the half of it. The next incident is easily the most scarring and terrifying moment of my life to date. This is the part I've told very few people. 
Even the ones who know the majority of stories don't know this. I think about this daily, and I'm reticent to even put this down here and now. But I've come this far, I guess. So here it goes. I met my boyfriend, now husband, at work. And we got on like a house on fire almost immediately. My friends became his friends and vice versa. Our families became friends and we've always joked that if soulmates exist, we were proof. Soppy, I know, but there you go. My boyfriend's grandfather, Arnold, was suffering from dementia and was living in a care facility. I'd never met him at this point, and my boyfriend said I should brace myself, as he would probably call me by his ex-girlfriend's name, or another family member's name, basically saying just nod and go along with whatever he says. It was a lovely care home, clean, and the staff all seemed gracious and polite. They led us to a room where his grandfather was, a bright room they called the TV room. There were about five other residents in the room in varying states of alertness. A few were asleep in their chairs, a few staring out of the window. My partner introduced me to his grandfather, and, as I'd been warned, he called me by his ex-girlfriend's name, which was fine. He was a very polite old man, and although the odd sentence drifted somewhat, he was still able to hold a conversation. My partner stood up and went to use the bathroom, leaving me with his grandfather. He'd done his best to make small talk. Did you travel far then? I was midway through answering and trying to think of the next thing to say when I noticed he dropped off. So I stopped talking, letting him sleep. A woman behind me spoke. I didn't quite hear what she said, so I turned to face her. Sorry? She said, he's not sleeping, he's pretending. She said with a smile. Oh, right, I smiled back. He always pretends he's not there. But he is, darling. He likes watching you. Oh dear, I said, still smiling. She carried on. Not Arnold, darling. I'm talking about the man who's in him now. Then she whispered and pointed. He's in him now. I panicked. I turned back. And I'm shaking typing this. But Arnold had his head straight back in the chair. Eyes open, smiling at the ceiling. I ran out the room just as my partner returned. I ended up having a full-blown panic attack. I was wheeled to the staff room and given a paper bag to breathe into. Head between my legs. To this day, I can't remove the image of Arnold's face from my brain. I've seen two mediums about whatever this thing is, and both have given me very different answers. The second visit made me decide I wouldn't visit another medium over this. But I'll tell you about the nice one, or should I say, the one I'd sooner believe, first. This is about three years ago. I was working as a temp for a law firm, and, as usual, built up a rapport with one of the women who worked there over the paranormal. 
Each place I work, there's always someone who seems to have a bond with me over the subject. I guess deep down, I hope one time, someone I meet tells me a similar story of what I've encountered and tells me how they dealt with it. I sometimes share at most one of my experiences. As I've said, very few people know the full story. So over drinks one night, she tells me she's booked to see a medium and she suggests I join her. I was apprehensive, but my curiosity got the better of me, so I went along. The medium was a guy. He had a not-quite-full-blown hipster feel about him. Suit jacket and jeans and trainers. He gave a few generic statements which could apply to anyone, and I thought, here we go, another waste of time. But then he said, Oh, hello. You have something around you. My pulse raced. It's funny how quickly I went from disbelief to terrified. I just want to say I'm blown away by your energy, he started. I know you think you have something dark around you, but you need to know that firstly, you have protective spirits around you, so believe me, nothing bad is going to happen, he smiled. And secondly... Sometimes even this dark energy is occasionally looking out for you in a protective way. This part caught me by surprise, which must have shown on my face, because he then said, I know that's hard to believe, but anything bad you've encountered, I get the sense it's just playing around. Again, he smiled. Playing around? Seriously? Who gets their kicks terrifying and tormenting people? This is what I thought, but of course, I smiled, nodded, and paid him for his time. I thought about this reading for days, replaying the incidents in my head and trying to establish if any of it could be deemed as protective. Thinking about it, my auntie described the black dog she witnessed as protecting my room, and at a very, very big push, I guess it could be described as playful how all the food got tipped over. I didn't realise at the time that I was being very selective in memories I was forcing into this narrative, ignoring possessed grandparents and anything else that didn't fit under either protective or playful. Now, I'll tell you about my second experience with a medium, the one which ensured I would never seek one out again. About 18 months ago, I was in our study, prepping for a master's degree I decided to take as a mature student. And my desk lamp started blinking. Nothing strange there, just a faulty bulb. It kind of flickered, then remained on. I was in full flow of writing, so wanted to get to the end of this particular paragraph before going to get another bulb, hoping the light would stay with me for the next few minutes. Stay on, please, I muttered to myself. Blink. The light went out. Oh, come on, I exasperated. Blink. It came back on. So I carried on writing. Blink. The light went back off. I threw the pen down frustrated. Blink. It came back on. This wouldn't do. I left the room and fetched a new bulb and headed back to change it. The bulb was unscrewed. 
and placed on my notepad, and it was still flickering dimly. I turned the main light on, and it seemed to stop. I panicked and shouted to my husband, who came running in from the shower. He seemed almost angry that it was just a bulb that had fell out, and I wasn't in some perilous danger, and stomped off back to the bathroom. But then he came back. Come and see this, he said. I joined him in the bathroom. He'd opened a window to let the steam out. The window faced our back garden and backed onto another house. This house had scaffolding around for a few weeks. It looks as though it was getting ripped out and refitted, and there were often workmen there till all hours. However, right now, the house was in darkness. Look at the top left window, he whispered. It took my eyes a while to adjust, but when they did, I felt like I'd been punched in the stomach. Do you see that outline in the darkness? he asked. He carried on. It's like the outline of a body with half a head, he said, almost a smile in his voice. Freaky. That wasn't the outline I could see. I could see the outline of a body with its head thrown back, as if looking at the sky. A light came on in the room, and a burly-looking guy came from right to left across the room with a stepladder. Clearly one of the workers about to starve for the night. I didn't sleep that night. I thought this was done with. I decided that next morning I would approach a medium for help. I would just tell them what was going on and ask for advice. I spent that morning online looking for recommendations for mediums or spiritualists in my area and I finally landed on one. Everyone had given this guy five stars, so I dialed the number. Again, he was a pleasant-sounding guy. He said he could see me that afternoon. I just had to give him my name and date of birth, as he said that would allow him to make a head start. So, at the agreed time of 3.15pm, I parked up outside his address and knocked on his door. But I got no answer. I waited and I knocked again. The neck curtain in his living room pulled back and a rather angry face appeared before dropping the curtain and then I heard him approach the front door. He opened the door as far as his keychain would allow. Why have you come? He said, bellowing it. Bewildered, I said, Um, we agreed 3.15. I texted you ages ago. I can't do it, I'm afraid. I pulled out my phone and sure enough, there was a text. It read, Sorry, I have an urgent appointment. Can't reschedule. I'm booked up. Oh, sorry, my phone was in my handbag. There was an awkward silence. Have have I done something to offend you somehow? I asked. No, he snapped back. Then a look of almost guilt or pity came over his face and his shoulders slumped. Listen, he began. I have nothing I can do for you. Something has chosen you and I can't communicate with it. If you have a faith... I'd go to wherever that is, a church or whatever. Now I was panicked, confused and angry. And not just because I wasn't a religious person. I thought you could speak to spirits. Why can't you with this one? His face grew wide and he snapped back in an aggressive whisper. 
I deal with the dead. This thing's never been alive. And with that, he slammed the door in my face. I've just said I wasn't a religious person. And 18 months ago, I wasn't. However, call it serendipity or fate. But shortly after that, we moved to a house opposite a Catholic church. On day one, the parish priest called over to welcome us and we got talking. Well, I was baptised 12 months ago and I attend Mass each Sunday. Touch wood, I haven't felt anything too bad since and any time I do feel something, I simply say the Lord's Prayer and it goes away. Sorry if this reads poorly in places. I'll just be hitting send after typing. I have no interest in rereading for grammatical errors. Typing this email for me is the closure I need. If you could let me know if and when you plan to record this so I can skip that particular episode, it would be appreciated. Wow. That is genuinely one of the most terrifying series of experiences we've ever featured on The Dark Paranormal. That email was sent in anonymously, and I did let them know that this episode will be coming out today. Katie's not the person's real name, of course. They asked me just to choose a name at random. What really strikes me with Katie's story is the fact it offers a third ending to a ghost story that I've truly never thought about before. We know ghost stories where the ghost or the paranormal experience goes away. We know about stories where it stays and it's an ongoing case. I've never heard of one where it's subdued. Or in this case, it seems to be under some sort of control due to the prayers said by Katie. I wonder what would happen if she stopped those prayers or lost her faith. I'm in two minds because I wish nothing but the best for Katie. However, if something does flare back up, I do hope she gets in touch. And what about the thing itself? It's also the first time in a paranormal experience I've heard of an entity arriving through a dream. And if the second medium is anything to go by, it's not your everyday sort of spirit. The fact he states this thing was never alive makes me think it's almost like an elemental spirit. Or it may be the infamous D-word, a demon. I guess we'll never know. I sincerely want to thank Katie, obviously not her real name, for bearing her soul over that email and taking the time to write it down and send it in. By all accounts, not many people know that story up to this point. And again, it's another one of these listener examples where I'm reticent to use the words ghost story because a ghost story doesn't quite cut what's gone on here. This has been a malevolent attack over a series of years. Ghost story doesn't cut it. Instead, truly, she's had an experience with the dark paranormal. Now don't forget, season three is listener story season. If you're sat on a tale, please send it through to thedarkparanormal at hotmail.com. And finally, if you'd like to support the show, links for both our Patreon or to buy me a coffee can be found 
in the show notes. Again, thank you for joining me here on episode two of season three. Until next time, keep suspending that disbelief and I'll see you in the dark paranormal.